You're listening to Latin America in Focus. Latinoamérica in Foco. América Latina in Foco. A podcast by America Society, Council of the Americas on politics, economics, and culture in the region. One point two percent. That's how much the International Monetary Fund projects Latin America and the Caribbean will grow in 2017. I'm Holly Sonneland with ASCOA Online. I talked with the IMF's top analyst for the Western Hemisphere, Alejandro Werner. He says that even though that might not sound like a lot in terms of growth, the region has its bright spots. Two of the region's biggest economies are turning around. Important structural reforms are happening in the Andes. And the region's smaller economies are implementing innovative fiscal policies on everything from logistics to debt reduction to tourism. Uncertainty remains, however, especially when it comes to NAFTA. Dr. Werner, thank you so much for talking with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. So we are one week into the administration of Donald Trump here in the United States, and one issue that has come squarely into focus is the trade deficit that the U.S. runs with Mexico. Um, the president has focused on this $60 billion um, that he says the U.S. is losing to Mexico, and that's out of a total of $530 billion in bilateral trade in 2015. Can you put this uh, the $60 billion trade deficit in context for us? Look, at this stage, I think the, 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 the important issue is uh, to understand uh, that uh, to s the, the incoming U.S. administration has uh, stated that they have the intentions of renegotiating the uh, North American Free Trade Agreement, that they have, to, they have expressed uh, an intent to negotiate some parts uh, of the agreement. I think the incoming uh, Commerce Secretary in his uh, Senate hearings mentioned uh, the issue of rules of origins. Uh, they also mentioned the issue of uh, the, res the dispute resolution scheme. And in that sense, to the extent that the, the, there are issues in the free trade agreement that might uh, warrant some updating, given that this uh, free trade agreement is more than 20 years old, and there has many things that has happened, as I mentioned the other day, for example, I mean, thinking about uh, regulating e-commerce, maybe changing somehow uh, the labor standards uh, chapters of, of the agreement. And as uh, has been stated, these other two issues, and maybe including uh, some issues on energy, etc. I think it's time uh, to do that. And I think that's what the Mexican government has stated. I mean, what are going to be the results in terms of the bilateral trade deficit, etc., etc., of these changes? I really do not know. Uh, but I think uh, uh, the three countries, uh, Canada, Mexico, and the U.S., have expressed that uh, to the extent that it would be possible to have a relatively quick uh, renegotiation and updating uh, of NAFTA that uh, hopefully can lead to a mutually beneficial negotiation. And I think that's uh, what we are expecting, waiting to see. But obviously, uh, during these negotiations, there are a lot of fireworks. There are a lot of uh, tense moments. And that uh, should not keep our minds away of the ultimate objective that should be to strengthen the integration of these three economies that uh, all academic and analytic, analytical literature has, uh, I think, shown 
that there's a lot of evidence pointing towards that this has been a very complementary tra trade agreement in the sense that has led to a significant integration of the manufacturing sector that was an important aspect of the increasing competitiveness of North American manufacturing. Yes, I mean, it'd be hard to imagine the North American economy over the last two decades without this agreement. Um, also, I know the economy secretary of Mexico, he did say this week, though, that if the talks got too involved or if, there, if they did, maybe if it wasn't a quick renegotiation, that Mexico might also consider pulling out of NAFTA altogether. What do you think would be the impact on that on the regional economy? I think uh, it will be very important. I mean, we have uh, seen that obviously Mexico exports 80% of its total exports to the U.S. Uh, we have seen numbers of the job associated to uh, NAFTA in the U.S., I mean, ranging between 10 and 18 million jobs. So in a sense, uh, and we have also seen, I mean, a lot of statistics highlighting the importance dependence on this Mexico-U.S. relationship of some key states uh, in the U.S. economy. So in that sense, uh, it would be very hard uh, to ignore the important negative effects that uh, uh, losing this important uh, trade agreement can have on, on, on the region. But to discuss the specifics, we need to have an alternative. Now it's a little bit like what's going on in Europe. I mean, vis-a-vis -vis what we compare NAFTA. And in that sense, uh, it's impossible at this stage to give you a, a number of this impact if we do not know uh, uh, what would be the alternative, what would be the alternative uh, uh, setup in these two neighbors that share such a large border uh, to quantify this thing. But we, what we know is the significant uh, uh, integration that these economies have, and therefore the very positive effects that NAFTA has had. And in that sense, part of that will be lost uh, if there's not a free trade agreement. But it, like in any negotiation, both sides uh, are presenting a position where they say we can live without the agreement, but I would uh, read a, a lot of negotiation posturing on both sides more than a serious intent of really thinking about living outside of NAFTA. Yes, a lot to be seen still. So moving on to South America, um, Argentina and Brazil are constant competitors. In your guys' recent report with your growth projections, you have both countries moving from negative growth in 2016 to positive growth in 2017. So what do you see as the most positive development in each country in the last year, and what should be a top priority in the year ahead? I would say in, in, in Brazil, obviously uh, the way the Temer administration has been able to stabilize financial markets and to stop a the decline in economic activity after two years of yearly contractions that were higher than 3% has been very, very important. So the sense of certainty and the path towards fiscal sustainability that they have laid out with uh, their constitutional reforms and with the initiation of the discussions associated with pension reforms, it is very important. And the most important challenge uh, for Brazil uh, still is uh, to accomplish the simultaneous uh, objectives of strengthening the path towards fiscal stabilization, but more than that, to uh, 
start an important agenda of structural reforms to reignite uh, growth, investment, and, and, and employment generation in Brazil. In the, case, in the case of Argentina, I think the most important highlights of the previous year has been the important push towards a, a modernization of the Argentinian economy, starting with the financial sector by basically in a very fast pace, removing all financial and current account restrictions, basically opening up their balance of payments to the rest of of the world, uh, reaching an agreement with the holdouts and therefore uh, uh, reopening international capital markets for the Argentinian government and all the Argentinian private sector, and uh, also moving ahead towards establishing a, a modern macroeconomic a policy framework that implies an inflation targeting central bank with a floating exchange rate and a medium-term fiscal framework that points uh, towards achieving fiscal sustainability in uh, the medium run. Also, we have seen important uh, measures taken on the real side, uh, significant reductions on export taxes to, mo- to, to stimulate a significant rebound in Argentinian exports and several other structural reforms to start modernizing the Argentinian economy. But obviously, I mean, going forward, the most important challenge for the Argentinian economy, again, is a continued this a removal of a, a, the substantial a, distortions that they have in their economy that have been imposed over years and years of very interventionist policies. And uh, one important area is obviously foreign trade, but domestically there's a lot of uh, over-regulation of the economy that has to be untangled and to continue to to strengthen their their macroeconomy by continuing the reduction of inflation and the consolidation of public finances. Yes, a lot of good work ahead. So, um, you also projected slight recoveries in Chile and Colombia due to changes in commodities prices. So what is happening there? Yeah, I mean, in the case of Chile, after suffering a significant slowdown uh, more than two years ago due to the decline in, in the price of copper, but also uh, on the back of significant structural and fiscal reforms that were implemented, I mean, we are seeing a very gradual recovery of, of growth, uh, but we think that still uh, uh, the Chilean economy is in need of an important uh, reduction of policy uncertainty going going forward, and obviously on the back of corporate uh, of, of, of copper prices uh, improving, that this could lead to some recovery in in growth. Uh, nothing really major. On the case of Colombia, it's a similar story associated with oil, but now on the back of two very important news that is. The, the peace agreement that was finally signed, uh, I think, last November, and on the other hand, the fiscal and tax reform that was approved by the end of 2016. Both of these things uh, are really supportive of growth and social development, the first one, and the second one is very supportive of financial conditions, as one important question mark on the Colombian economy was fiscal sustainability after the important loss of income for the government coming from the decline of oil. So with these two things uh, being growth and confidence supportive uh, looking forward, 
we are expecting growth to accelerate, uh, I think, to around 2.6, 2.5 next year, and then going uh, towards 3% and above 3% in the future. Um, now, in these reports, it's you know natural to focus on the bigger economies in the region, but I was wondering if there were any smaller countries um, that you saw implementing particularly smart or innovative fiscal policies. I mean, I, I, I would uh, I would highlight economies that have uh, implemented innovative policies. I mean, if you look at the case, for example, of Panama uh, in the last uh, 10 years, really uh, uh, working on logistics and not only on the canal, but when you look at uh, the Panamanian airport, airlines, uh, the canal, logistics, uh, uh, roads, uh, transportation, I think they have become a very important hub for Latin America on several on several aspects, and that has obviously been reflected in their growth uh, trajectory. Something similar can be said for the uh, Dominican uh, Republic, uh, where you have seen a significant uh, improvement in tourism year over year, and you have seen an economy that has been showing very healthy growth. Uh, looking towards Central America, also, I would highlight uh, two cases. In the case of Guatemala, I would, ha- I would highlight the stability in the middle of a significant governance reform. I mean, we have seen very important issues associated to the fight against corruption at the highest levels of government, and, not, and that has not contaminated uh, economic activity. And then I would stress uh, or highlight the case of Honduras, in which an important fiscal reform has been implemented in the last three years, and we have seen a healthy uh, recovery in growth rates, employment, and investment. And finally, I will highlight, I mean, the case of Jamaica, that for the last four years has embarked in a very serious effort to bring down very high levels of, of debt and to open in of their economy, to flexibilizing their economy. And we have seen also uh, transitions of power between one party and, and another, and conserving the main elements of fiscal responsibility. Uh, and I think that shows a significant uh, uh, support of society to these policies. So I, I would highlight uh, these cases in terms of the smaller economies of Latin America. It's great to know. So a lot to look forward to in 2017. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be an exciting year. Thanks for listening. For more, visit as-coa.org.